1: Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 394 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We're coming to you uh, right around midday on Thursday, the day after a very, very big win for the Blue Devils on the road at the Virginia Cavaliers. A hard-fought victory in which we had some really surprising stars step up and, and get it done for Duke. Um, I am Jason Evans. I will be your host on the on today's journey down the Blue Devil path. Joining me, um, as he almost always is, is my good buddy, Donald Wine. Donald, you're coming to us from an airport, aren't you?
2: Yeah, in typical fashion. I was supposed to be back in D.C. for this uh, episode, but because of flight delays, cancellations, uh, and other things because of the ice storms in Dallas where I was last night, I am now in an airport in Jacksonville, Florida on my way home. So uh, I'm glad we were able to kind of shift this and, and get it into a time frame And I was able to make it, but apologies for how I sound because I have to wear a mask in the airport. And so my voice may be a little bit muffled.
1: No, you sound great. You sound great, man. Uh, Unfortunately, um, Sam Klein could not join us today. He has been swamped at work lately. Um, He watched the game and had many things to say about it, but he can't say them on the podcast because he's been too busy at work. So it's just me and Donald this time, um, uh, which probably means for all of you, you'll have a little less repetition of commentary because it seems like the three of us always see the same things (laughs) in any event. We will get to our recap of the, of the game between Duke and Virginia, a contest that the Blue Devils win whew, in a close one, 65 to 61. It was a back and forth game the whole way. Actually, Duke mostly had the lead, but boy, Virginia was within striking distance constantly throughout that contest. Like all Duke-Virginia games, this one was a very, very close affair. And, and Donald, uh, we, we start with headlines, but before we get to ours, we got several interesting ones from, uh, from listeners. Folks, as you know, send us your headlines to dbrpodcast at gmail.com, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we will read the best ones on the air. And we got three I thought that were really good. Uh, Ronald Pereira said, devil's not cavalier in finishing off UVA. I like that one. Uh, Mark Heckler came to us with roach redeemed and then he really went with the alliteration pointless play produces powerful i'm sorry positionless play produces powerful performance um, i like that from mark and then that's my the man K-Man. mark that's, from our
2: man. that's my man mark hecker man love that dude uh,
1: the k man david kerman came in with devils get late boost from aj to hold off uva in nailbiter at jpj um, and i like I, I love that one a lot of, a lot of there's a there. lot of initials
2: in that k man I, I know we call you the game, man. there's a lot of initials in that. I like it, though. I, I appreciate it. Definitely. So, Donald, what's your headline from this contest? So, mine is Duke packed the line to grind out win over Wahoos.
1: That works. That works. I, I think you're making a literary, a, uh, Sorry, an allusion to Duke's defensive effort, because I thought Duke's defensive effort was outstanding. Here is my headline. Roach to the rescue in another Duke, Virginia nail biter. Um, and uh, I think everyone would agree Jeremy Roach had one of his finest games in a Blue Devil uniform. So, Donald, let's start with the good um, and get me get me going. Uh, if you don't want to talk about Jeremy Roach, trust me, I got plenty to say, but talk about whatever you want.
2: <laughs> no, we have to start with Jeremy Roach because 15 points, he led all scorers, and Jason, I believe that is our sixth Duke player to lead the team in he scoring is, in a correct. game this season. I think yep. when it comes to the stat game, someone might have already won, so I think that might be you. Um, we'll we'll double-check that. Uh, behind the scenes, but uh, Jeremy Roach had a great game. I thought it was his best game this season, right? Like he, he was able to score. He had three threes. He was able to drive. And some of the things that he had done mediocre during the season, he excelled at last night. And for some reason he was able to find the hole and the, the weaknesses in the defense for Virginia and exploit them. And sometimes when you leave a guy open and he's confident, he's going to hit those threes and he hit three huge threes. All of them came at huge times, whether they were early or late in the game. The man was all over the place, and I really liked how he played last night.
1: Yeah, you know, Coach K used the word verve. He said he praised Jeremy Roach for his verve in this game. I love that word. It's a great way to, to describe the courage and confidence that it took for Jeremy to take some of those shots because they were they were not necessarily easy shots, and they all, like you said, they came at just big, big, big moments. I mean, who knew? that he would have his best game of the year in a game where he doesn't record a single assist. Uh, that was amazing to me. <laughs> it's crazy, um, right? <laughs> yeah. It, it just seems outrageous. Uh, but like, like I was saying, all these shots he took were like, they were answers to UVA daggers. UVA would hit a big shot and Jeremy would go, okay, well my turn to answer you. And that was so important not to allow them to gain too much momentum. And look, I always look, I've been the guy talking about Jeremy Roach needing to find his role, having to figure out how to play without the ball in his hands as much. We know this guy can be a great playmaker when he is taking the primary ball handling duty, but that's not his role on this team. Coach K has clearly decided that Wendell Moore and Trevor Keels are more suited to that, to that journey. And so Jeremy Roach needs to figure out something different to do. And in this game, he absolutely did. And, and like I said, I, I've been ragging on the guy for having a bad plus minus. Well, In this game, he led the team with plus nine. Um, And and by the way, we've talked about his offense. He made a huge difference on defense. Kihei Clark made six out of seven three-pointers in the first half until Jeremy Roach blocked one late in the first half. Kihei Clark would not hit another three-pointer the whole game. And uh, Jeremy, you know, he has more of a challenge than the other guys in the team because Duke is switching everything this year. We've got guys with size that allow us to switch everything. And that doesn't work as well for Jeremy Roach because he's the smallest guy on the team and he sometimes gets really stuck on a switch, but he battled well on those situations. He, he kept on making Virginia make difficult plays when he was playing defense. And that is so important. Virginia is not a talented offensive team. If you make them make tough plays, which Jeremy Roach did again and again, um, you're going to be successful. And, and I just thought he was, he was fabulous. There's no question. I know there's some people who say, AJ Griffin, you know, but frankly, to me, there's no question Jeremy Roach was the player of this game.
2: Absolutely. And you kind of led a little bit with the defense because I wanted to talk about that. Obviously, I alluded to it in my headline. And outside of keyhead, Clark, we'll talk about him uh, hitting all his threes later on because I don't think that's something that happens every day. But I do think that the defense that we exploited or presented against Virginia allowed for some of those threes to happen because we basically said, hey, Virginia, if you're going to beat us, you better beat us from beyond the arc. And only one guy was willing to do that or able to do that, and that was KeA Clark. Everyone else had a terrible shooting game. And if you take out Kihei Clark's 25 points, we're killing, you know, we're running away from this game because this defense was just incredible as far as keeping everyone in front of them. Everything that came to the paint was shut down, and so we got rebounds and went the other way. I liked how we played from a defensive standpoint.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it as well, because the, the next item on my list of good was definitely going to be the defense. And um, the key thing here, I think, was the way Duke owned the paint uh, in the first game. I talked about this on the preview. When we were previewing this contest, I talked about how badly Virginia had killed us in the paint the last time we played them. And it was the exact opposite this game. And a lot of that is, is Mark Owens. I'm sorry, it, it, Mark Williams, Mark Williams, Absolutely, every minute he was in the game, Virginia was afraid to go inside. That, that one sequence where he blocks um, uh, Cafaro from, from Virginia, uh, uh, Francisco Cafaro, he blocked mm-hmm. him twice in the same play. And then Mark Williams comes down with the rebound. And, and if you saw Cafaro on the bench after that, Mark he didn't Williams recover didn't from that. block his shot. He had taken his will to live. It, it, I mean, <laughs> people on the board are talking about it. he took his soul. It it was unbelievable how effective Mark Williams was at at impacting Virginia's play on the interior. Duke outscored them 28 to 20 on points in the paint. And uh, against Virginia, where the score is always really low, where points are so precious, for Duke to outscore them by eight points in that segment of the game was just so key. And then the other thing I wanted to mention, you talked about it a little bit. I thought we did a really good job of forcing Virginia into shots. They didn't want to take. And a lot of those were three pointers that they didn't want to take on, on Virginia's last chance with about 15 seconds left in the game. uh, They were down four points. They needed a three pointer. And the guy who stepped out and took a three pointer was Jaden Gardner. Remember I said in the preview, he hadn't even attempted a three pointer since January 12th. This guy does not like to shoot from, from distance. And he missed it. Of course. Um, and, and, and I thought that was sort of emblematic of the way Duke kept on forcing Virginia to take shots. They didn't want. Um, at, at, frankly, it took a heroic effort by Kihei Clark, uh, the kind of game he's never had in his career for Virginia, even to be in this contest. That's how strong I thought Duke was in their defensive scheme and defensive execution.
2: I mean, they talked about Kihei Clark having like 25 family members in the stands and they said, Oh, well, if he's going to have, you know, have this type of game, he should have 25 family members in the stands every game. He clearly doesn't because it's one of his best games in a Cavalier uniform. But I, th- I want to go back to Mark Williams for a second because I think the biggest travesty of the season is that Mark Williams does not have a blocks or a shots altered category in the stats game, right? Because the number of shots that he alters, it really makes the difference. I mean, he had 10 rebounds. He had four blocks. He probably altered another 15 or 20, like, Nobody was coming in the paint without Mark Williams or Theo John or Paolo Bancaro, or even Wendell Moore, or Trevor Keels, putting a hand in the air and making them have to shoot something they didn't want to shoot. And, and
1: Donald, part of, it, yeah, it's not just the ones he alters. It's the ones that never happen. Like I said, right. I, I think Virginia and a lot of teams, they just end up going, look, I'm, I'm not going in there. I'm, I'm not going to the rim because this guy's going to erase it. He's going Or if he doesn't erase it, he's going to make me look awful trying to somehow figure out how to get it up over him um he's mark williams is just a huge difference maker on defense there's no other way to say it than that
2: yeah and and i like i like the way you said that right because they're like you said they shot a lot more threes last night more than they normally do because like you said they didn't even want to bother going in the paint against against mark williams i will say this last game when we played them we talked about their points of the paint we said they, they had some stat where if they outscored the other team in the paint they won 90% of their ballgames. And so we knew that was going to be the key entering this game. We knew it was the key entering last game, and it was a market difference. And I think those things are why we won this ballgame. These little things where we re- rebounded or did much better from the last meeting a couple of weeks ago are the reasons why we won this game in, in Charlotte as well.
1: Yeah, so the next thing I wanted to get to in the good um, was A.J. Griffin, who unbelievably clutch. And not just those three-pointers, but I wanted to point this out. On a day when Duke really struggled at the free-throw line, when, when we had some shots, we, we left some points on the table at the free-throw line. Uh, A.J. Griffin stepped up to the line with a couple seconds left and a two-point lead and calmly nailed two free-throws. And, uh, you know, after he missed – he early in the game, he missed some threes. He had some drives in the first half that, that he probably should have finished and he didn't. And he, he got tentative for a little while. That's when Coach K, you know, brought him to the bench and he wasn't playing as much in the second half. But at one point when Coach K brought him to the bench, uh, this has been reported widely in the news media, Coach K was yelling at A.J. and saying, take the shot, stop being afraid. You are one of the best shooters I've ever seen. Keep on shooting. Thank goodness he did because A.J. Griffin, as much and as great as Jeremy Roach saved Duke for the first, you know, 35 minutes of the game, the final five minutes belonged to A.J. Griffin.
2: Um, unbelie- those three-pointers just absolutely broke Virginia's back. Jeremy Roach was the MVP of this game, but Duke does not win this game without A.J. Griffin. I think that was said on the broadcast last night. I think Coach K said that in the post-game press conference, and I'm saying it to you, Jason. We don't win this game without A.J. Griffin's heroics in the last five minutes. Shooting the threes, I mean, coming off the bench those last five minutes, he looked like J.J. Redick. Right, like with just the shot, the confidence, knowing it was going in, calmly sinking free throws like he's done, like he's been doing it his whole life and that he's a senior in college or like that. No, this kid's a freshman and it's like, what, 25th game. And you know, this guy has really consistently improved in areas and again, when he struggles, what I love about these freshmen is that they learn from it and they grow from it and they improve from it. And I think that's what he did in the course of the game. He figured out what he was doing wrong. He got the confidence back. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Coach K told him to do. He took that advice. He took that criticism, and he put it back in. And now we have a game where it's AJ Griffin makes a difference. So I really liked what I saw from him, especially in the last time.
1: So la- the last thing I have in the good, um, I-, I did want to mention Trevor Keels, who who I thought, you know, his outside shots struggled, and and we we've seen Tre- Trevor's had games where he's been unbelievable from the perimeter. And he's had games like this where he struggled. There there was one point in this game, Duke worked the ball around. I feel like we passed it out of the post. And Trevor Keels was, I want to say wide open. I mean, like there was no one within 15 feet. Within like 20 feet. Yeah. Yeah. And and he took a three that, that you know, rimmed out. And I was just like, that's a three. I, that's the kind of shot that, that no one ever misses against Duke. <laughs> and And he missed it. In a game where he was struggling from the perimeter. I thought Trevor did an excellent job of taking the ball to the basket. Um, there were several moments in the second half where he was great at that. He hit all his two-point shots. Um, he, he does need to clean up on his free throws a little bit. He, he was one of the guys who was missing key free throws. But, but I thought Trevor Keels, you know, Virginia's a really, really tough team to score against. And, and I thought he did a very nice job of finding ways to, to get into the scoring column and helping Duke out in a game where there were a lot of guys, you know, are our, our two leading scorers did next to nothing in terms of putting points on the board. We needed guys, secondary scorers, so to speak, like Trevor Keels, A.J. Griffin, and and Jeremy Roach
2: to pick up the slack, and, and they really did. So, Jason, I think my final good is that we played a pretty clean basketball game, both from a turnover standpoint and from a foul perspective. I mean, I For think sure, in yeah. the end, the fact that we did turn the ball over, we kept, you know, we kept control of the basketball, but at the end, the fact that we had fouls to give at the end of the first half and at the end of the game, really it really just kind of altered what Virginia was trying to do because they couldn't get the shots that they wanted because they knew if they wanted to attempt the three or something like that, we could foul them and take time off the clock and make them have to come up with another play. And I think those sort of things, if you have a clean basketball game, it's a very small detail, but it's a detail that can really affect what the opposition can do in the final moments of a basketball game. Again, end of half execution end of game execution, the fact that we were taking care of the basketball and that we were able to keep them away from the free throw line meant that they had fewer options to get back into the basketball.
1: All right, so we got to do it. We got to get to the bad. And I'm going to start, Donald. There's no easy way to say it. Paula Bancaro had maybe his worst game in a Duke uniform. Um, Darn close to it. He had more air balls than baskets. He had more turnovers than baskets. Paulo is now one for 13 from three-point range over his last four games. And last night, many of the threes he took had no chance to go in. This wasn't like, oh, he's just off by a little bit. He, he, was, he was off by a lot. And he took, he, he, he was flustered and rattled by what UVA was doing on defense against him. Every team is going to look at this game and they're going to double Paulo the moment he touches the ball anywhere close to the paint. Now it's worth noting that the UVA big men do an incredible job of hedging and doubling and then recovering. So it's not as easy to get away with, you know, when you get doubled, it's not as easy to get away with stuff against UVA as against some other teams, but Paulo and Duke, this is not just Paulo. It's also his teammates and his coaches. They've got to figure out a way to take advantage of, of it when teams double Paulo we need to scheme better ways of making teams pay for that some of it's on him but some of it's on his his coaches and his teammates uh, his is his teammates are not reacting quick enough when Paulo gets doubled I can see it coming a mile away on tv I don't know why they can't see it it's really frustrating so uh, Paulo did have five assists in this game um and he's trying to move the ball more when when teams are so committed to stopping him but I think Duke needs to find a way to scheme this better Teams are selling out to stop Paulo Bancaro. That's how good he is. It's not new or surprising anymore that they're doing that. And we must have an answer that is something other than Paulo takes a bad shot or we just reset the play and watch the shot clock dwindle away. It's, it's not acceptable for Duke to be unable to deal with a double team on Paulo Bancaro the way we have been lately and the way we were against Virginia. And then really quickly, I just want to give you some stats. My friend Eric Rothschild sent this out to me. Paulo's February. This is what Paulo Bancaro has done during the month of, month of February. He's averaging just 13 points per game. He's hitting just 34% of his field goals. He's hitting only 21% of his three-pointers. Thank God. Luckily, he's at 87% on free throws. Dude is burying his free throws. And thank goodness for that because that's really the only thing he is doing other than a little bit of passing that is very positive for Duke on offense. And, and, and by the way, I saw Virginia was going after Paulo on defense a good bit in this game, especially in the second half. They were like, okay, that's a guy we can attack. And like I, like I said, Duke has got to figure out a way to take advantage of the way teams are selling out to stop Paulo Bancaro.
2: I think when it comes to Paulo Vincaro, it's, it's hard for me to say that this was one of his worst games, only because, like you mentioned, he had five rebounds. He drew four fouls, went to the foul line, was making free throws. He had five assists. But he did, right? Like, on the offense, when we talk about – I was talking with my best friend about this last night. He, he mentioned that we need to have an alpha. And entering the season, Paul Carroll was supposed to be that alpha on offense, the guy that no matter what, closing minutes, opening minutes, who, the person you were like, this guy's going to dominate the game, it was going to be Paul Bencaro. And so that's why we're so hard on him right now is because he's in that shooting slump. He's in that slump. He's been in it for a while now, as you've mentioned the stats. And I think he needs to get back to, again, the best version of Duke basketball is one where he is the alpha. He's the one dominating in the scoring column. He's the one making a difference in other areas of the game as well. And I think because of that lack of confidence that he has on the offensive end, he's taking shots that aren't necessarily ones that he should be taking or ones that I know that he likes taking. He's forcing a lot of shots. And I think last night, the pack line defense of Virginia allowed him to really just forced shots that he didn't want to take. And I think he needs to get through that. And right now it's going to be a struggle to get through that. I think he will. It's just a matter of when, but we're, you know, Jason, we're running out of season, uh, regular season at least, to get it it right. So I think when it comes to Paulo, whatever he needs to do to go to to find that zone that he was in in the first third of the season, that's what he needs to focus on over the next few days. Because I think come this week, we got three games, two on the road, and one very big one that we'll talk about next week. But he wa- we need him to be the guy. We need him to be the alpha on this team. And right now, he's just not playing like that.
1: All right, what else you got for me in the bat? I, I got one or two other little things, but nothing else major. How about you?
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I think in a, in a different day, Kihei Clark scoring 25 points could have killed us. And we need to make it where guys like Kihei Clark don't score 25 points against us and hit six threes in the first half. And again, on the road, that's a lot of momentum that was, you know, in UVA's favor because he was making these threes. So I, again, I think we did well with the defense on everybody else. I think we were able to grind out the win, which is why I think that's why we've been talking about all these little things that make a difference. But one thing is we cannot have someone just come and torch us in the first half because that can be something we can't overcome if it's in the ACC tournament or the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah. So my, my little, like I said, I have two little, little things. The first one I've already kind of mentioned this, uh, the free throw woes Um, in a close game, Duke only hit 57% of their 58% of their free throws, 10 of 17 from the line. And we missed a bunch of them that could have given us some real breathing room. We missed a bunch late in the contest when it was like a one possession game and we could have made it like if we'd hit the free throws, we could have made it a two possession game. You always like to have sort of that. It's a little less pressure when it's a two possession as opposed to a one possession game. And, and the free throw woes were, were a real problem for this Duke team. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was, you know, Virginia is not a great defensive rebounding team. They're not a great rebounding team period. Um, We beat them on the boards, 33 to 31, but that's not that bad. And Duke only had six offensive rebounds in this game. Um, that's, you know, that's well below the, the number we usually have. And I know Virginia plays a slower pace and, and all that other kind of stuff, but still six offensive rebounds. Duke's got to figure out a way to get more second chance points. Virginia beat us on second chance points, eight to seven. I mean, that sort of tells you something that only 15 total second chance points in the game. It was not a game where either team was offensive rebounding very much at all. But, but I do think that is a, that's something from this game that I, I had expected Duke to do better at than they did.
2: And I think with some of the shooting and some of this is unlucky, right? We, we saw a lot of great ball movement in this game, but to only have nine assists on 24 made baskets, that's a lot less than what we where we should be. I Mainly mean, three guys even recorded an assist last night for Duke. So I think that obviously some of it was a little bit of bad luck where we did pass the ball around. And as you mentioned, a couple of guys shot threes that didn't go in, but I do think we need to have a renewed emphasis on making sure that we're passing the ball around because we do get great shots, if we're passing the ball around and some of those will go in and that assist number will. Be. Yeah.
1: All right. So that's going to wrap it up for our uh, conversation about this victory over UVA, a very, very important one, a game that keeps Duke um, ahead of the rest of the pack in the ACC standings. Duke remains by the way, you know, we're now 14 and three, Notre Dame is 13 and four North Carolina and Miami and Florida are both 12 and five. That's really the race right now. That, that is the, you know, those are the teams that are at least a little bit in the hunt, for the uh, ACC title. And uh, we just got to keep on winning here because Notre Dame doesn't look like they're losing to anybody. Notre Dame has an absurdly easy schedule in the ACC this year. Um, They're a very, very good club, but um, the schedule really, really favors them. And I don't think Notre Dame is going to lose anymore. So Duke cannot afford to lose anymore. And uh, we're going to preview the game that Duke has coming up next, a contest against the Syracuse Orange. We'll have that right after the break. Increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're
2: thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Duke Roundup.
1: Uh, this weekend, the Blue Devils go to the Carrier Dome to play Syracuse. And uh, the first thing, Donald, before we get to anything else, I want to point out the fact there are 35,642 tickets available, seats available in the Carrier Dome. It is the largest arena in college basketball. I checked a couple of days ago. I haven't checked today. I checked a couple of days ago and it was not yet sold out, but there were only like a really small, there are like a, maybe a few hundred tickets left. Syracuse is going to have 35,000 people to see this basketball game, to bid farewell to Coach K. Man, it is going to be an electric atmosphere. There is no question about that. And, Donald, tell me what Syracuse has been doing. Duke absolutely manhandled them, destroyed them in Cameron. What has Syracuse done since that day?
2: Yeah, well, since we last played them, that was back on January 22nd. Um, Syracuse followed that up. We really demoralized them because they ended up, Going to pit and losing by 11 the very next game, a couple days later. But since then, they've gone six and two losses on the road to Virginia Tech on Virginia 12th. And as we record on Thursday, uh, just last night, they lost to Notre Dame. We mentioned Notre Dame kind of keeping pace a game behind Duke in the ACC standings. Syracuse helped them with that last night. So the thing about Syracuse is they're 15 and 13, they're 10 and 10 in the ACC. They desperately need wins right now. If they want to show the selection community that they're worthy of a at large or NCAA tournament bid, they got three games left at home, or three games left in total Duke at home, Carolina on the road a couple days later, and then Miami at home next weekend. So, three tough games for them, three of the top four or five teams in the ACC. So, they're going to throw everything at Duke and they want to shoot better because last time we played, Syracuse, who was a really good three point shooting team, shot just 17% from three. Meanwhile, with that matchup zone that they're padded and known for, we destroyed it by hitting 14 threes. That's what took them out of the game, and that's why we you know, we, we won a 20-point game that should have probably been 35 or 40. So uh, if our shooters are just as hot and we pass the ball around, we have a lot of assists in that game. If we're able to move the ball around and get good open shots and we knock them down, Syracuse is going to have a long day, and those 35, 36,000 people that you mentioned, Jason, most of them are going to be going home unhappy.
1: I, I got to tell you something. Uh, it, it's easy. I think to look back on what Duke did to Syracuse on January 22nd and think, Oh, these guys stink. Um, we're going to, we're going to handle them with ease. I'm not so sure that's the case. Um, Syracuse has been playing pretty good ball lately. Uh, they, they've won six of their past eight. And um, I went to Bart Torvik's site and on his site, you can sort games by dates. You can, you know, sort of pick out date ranges. Um, and right after Duke played Syracuse, Syracuse played Pittsburgh. They lost that game. Um, And that's, you know, the low point of their season. Uh, Like I said, they've they've won, uh, you know, six of their past eight since then. If you look at how Syracuse has done since that Pittsburgh loss right after the Duke game, they are actually, according to Bart Torvik, the 28th best team in the country over those past eight games. I'm going to repeat that. The 28th best team in the country over their past eight games. Syracuse is playing really good ball right now. They have right, you know, it, they, were, they were down, but they've righted the ship. Now, I don't know that they have a chance to make the NCAA tournament without winning the ACC, you know, the ACC tournament to get there. And, and the reality is they, they probably don't have a chance to get there. But if they have any chance, it starts with beating Duke. There's no question about that. And... Uh, This is a team that's absolutely capable of doing that. I I think the thing to watch from for Duke is we're going to have to be, we're going to have to be great from three again, because it's just so hard to get inside that Syracuse zone. We beat them last time because we bombed away from the perimeter and AJ Griffin in particular was able to really hit a a ton of three pointers. We're going to need to do that again because Syracuse isn't going to let you inside. Um, I'd love to see Duke figure out a way to get the ball inside. Um, but, but I think it's gonna be very difficult. And, and one thing that's important to note in the last game, Syracuse had Jesse Edwards um, as their big man in the middle. He has, he's gotten injured since that game and is not playing. He's out for the whole season. Um, and he was a, he's a pretty important player for them. Um, and, and they're sort of, you know, they've got kind of a, a patchwork middle now that they're, that they're trying to figure out. Um, uh, they're not nearly as good on the inside. They got a Frank Anselm who's there. Who's, you know, mostly playing in the post for them and he's nowhere close to the player that Jesse Edwards was, uh, this could be a game where if Duke is able to get it inside, we're able to really, you know, get some work done. Um, uh, but you know, Syracuse is going to be, it's going to be a crazy, crazy atmosphere, uh, because they, they have a great fan base no matter what. And I, I think they feel like there's a, you know, they feel like Duke is like a main major, major rival for them. It's going to be an excellent contest. I can't wait.
2: Yeah. And if you recall Jason last time, uh, the Behan brothers, Jimmy and buddy did not have good games uh, in Cameron there. We can't expect that to be uh, lightning in a bottle twice. One of them is probably going to have a good game in the D in, in the D dome in the carrier dome uh, for Syracuse this Saturday. So, we have to be able to minimize that impact of one of the Bayheim brothers going off from behind three, because they're typically known to do that. And, you know, Buddy's one of the better players in the ACC. Jimmy, you know, it has been playing well this year. If one of those guys gets hot, Syracuse could have the momentum that they need uh, for other guys to shine as well. So we need to limit their impact like we did the other day.
1: Yep. Hey, uh, one little thing before we go. And I know you got a little thing you want to do as well, but I just wanted to mention this. Folks, if you have not seen it, a, uh, a sports company called JD Sports, which is a huge sports retailer in the UK and is gradually moving into the U.S. market. JD Sports dropped a commercial during the NBA All-Star Game. And in the commercial, there's, there's a rapper named um, St. Saint John, St. Saint JHN. Uh, there's an r singer. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Justine Sky. Then they have a a pop singer, um, a a woman named Fletcher. And then the last sort of celebrity that is in this commercial is none other than Paulo Banqueiro. Um, he's riding a train. Um, looks like it, you know, it's a train riding someplace through Europe. It's not through Europe, you know, but he's riding a train. He, he has a bag at his feet. He unzips the bag and reveals that there's a basketball inside and he starts dribbling it a little bit while he's riding on the train. Um, this is, this is the, you know, the start of what I think you're going to see a lot more of, especially during the NCAA tournament. Um, you'll start to see it during the conference tournaments, but really during the NCAA tournament, the, the big stars of college basketball appearing in commercials. I have no idea what Paulo got paid. I have no idea if this is a one time deal or if he's doing a lot more stuff with J.D. Sports. I could imagine that he would. You know, I, I mentioned the other folks who are in this commercial are all like like singers. Um, Paulo sort of matches what J.D. Sports is about. Much more than than the, these singers do, although I'm sure that they're going for sort of a young hip audience. That's why they picked these other folks. But I I think it's really interesting to to track this, you know, the way NIL is is going on. Um, this is sort of Paulo's first major, uh, you know, name, image, and likeness opportunity that that ran on a national ad during the NBA All Star Game.
2: Yeah, and J- Jason JD Sports. For people who don't know it. It's basically the footlocker of the UK. Like, that's where we're talking about the number of stores and the amount of reach they have. So uh, that's a really big deal for Paula Banks to be featuring. All
1: right, you, you, Donald, you said you wanted to do a shout-out. Go for it.
2: I do, yes. And I want to shout-out one of our listeners, Megan McManaman. And I hope I pronounced your last name right. Uh, she emailed us a few weeks ago asking if we wanted tickets for the FSU game. And I know I wasn't on the recap for FSU, so I wanted to shout her out now because – though we were not able to make it, she was gracious enough to set up my best friends with those tickets so that they were able to take in a game in Cameron and see the goat before he uh, hangs it up at the end of the season. So to Megan, one of our dear listeners, thank you so much. Uh, I know my friends had a great time and uh, we really appreciate just your generosity and all the, all the people who have reached out to us uh, to offer tickets uh, last minute or, or in, in you know weeks in advance we really appreciate all of you just looking out for us. Uh, I know we are joking about it, but we really appreciate looking out for us and, and for us to, to be able to see uh, what is a very magical season thus far.
1: Yeah, and we've got to mention it at this point. Uh, and Donald, I don't, yeah, I'll let you decide if you want to mention him by name. I'm not going to mention him by name um, in case he doesn't want people to know, you know who he is, but uh, someone who uh, apparently is a fairly prominent uh, Iron Duke has reached out to us and Donald and I will be attending the Duke UNC game coach K's final game in Cameron um, in what appear to be really, really good seats. Thanks to uh, one of the nicest, most wonderful Duke fans around uh, who who happens to be a fan of this podcast. We are so, (laughs) we are so excited about this. It is unbelievable that, that someone out of the goodness of their heart loves this podcast enough that they reached out to me and Donald to let us, have tickets to this game dude i i'm i can barely even talk about it i'm so excited
2: i i when i got the call i was just absolutely flabbergasted um uh and, and we'll, we'll mention his name later once we you know get permission or whatever too but uh yeah just a, a preemptive thank you for that it, it's it's absolutely incredible i had i was looking forward to watching with my friends and my friends are basically like no you have to go to this game um and, and I, I i think i agree with them so uh, we're looking forward to that next week also of of you know before that game I will be covering the pit game uh, next Tuesday so I will be uh, for those of you guys who are at the pit game I will be on press row somewhere probably in the upper bowels of the of the gym there but looking forward to that as well it's it, it's just incredible all of you guys that have reached out to us and offered things like this it never in a million years did we uh, when we were joking about it, did we think some of you guys would be serious enough to actually give us these, these rewards. And and we really, really do appreciate it for the bottom of our heart.
1: Yeah. We're going to have much more on what we're going to be doing related to the Carolina game. And obviously all the other uh, contests that Duke has coming up. Um, We'll be back this weekend. If there's no major news, (laughs) we'll be back this weekend to recap the contest against Syracuse preview, what's coming up against Pitt and then getting ready for the big, big, big moment. um, The end of the regular season, coach K's final gay game in cameron indoor stadium for donald wine i am jason evans we are so sorry sam klein couldn't join us today but he'll be back very very soon we want to thank all of you everyone even if you don't give us tickets we love the fact that you listen we love the fact that you like and subscribe we love the fact that you send us emails at dbrpodcast at gmail.com all of it we love all of it we love interacting with all of you that's going to do it for now for donald i'm jason here's the duke band play us out take us home